All right, good morning. Welcome to Teaching Others Also. This is not one of our daily Monday to Friday broadcast. Uh, this is a, just, I guess you might call it a bonus broadcast if you like them. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just another one. But we're going to continue on the idea of why now? Why are you doing what you do now? Why are you practicing what you practice now? Why are you believing? Uh, why are you doing all the things you do right now? And there is always some reference to the past in our Christian life. But for the most part, each day comes one at a time. That's why he said, give us this day, our daily bread. And so we have to understand that, uh, like Chambers' devotion for today called Must I Listen, that what's happened is, if we're not careful, as he says, uh, we do not consciously disobey God. We simply do not heed Him. God has given us His commands. There they are, but we do not pay attention to them, not because of willful disobedience, but because we do not love and respect Him. And there is a lot of truth to that. Now, you might love and respect the Lord as a whole. I do. I know I do. And I know many of you do. You probably wouldn't be reading your Bible and listening to this if you didn't. By the way, please go to 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 9 few pages apart our thoughts for this particular session now there are times when our disobedience is just merely a lack of obedience and our obedience lack of thereof is often just through neglect of what he says so many times i've learned this from the old timers and from other believers in their walk and by the way uh, I know they call them laymen and all that, but there is there is a vast majority of people who that some of y'all in ministry would call laymen, but I hate to tell you, but they're the majority, you're the minority, and you being the minority as a teacher and preacher doesn't make you special, doesn't make you valuable. It just means that you have a different role in life. You have a different stewardship in life and I think a lot of fellas have forgotten that I also believe that in the ministry today young people are not being taught both the men and women because wives are just as involved in the sense that it's a team effort there's two or better two or one and they're not being taught that the call to the ministry is a call to further self-denial and it is now if every believer is practicing self-denial cross-living well, then, of course, it's honestly, it's the, the only word I can think of is it's easier for God to call people. It's easier. You say, well, how is that? I'll give you an example about leadership. Let's say you've got 100 people and it's a local church. And I mean 100 people that, you know, consistently attend, participate. And you're the Lord and you, you uh, have a certain direction you want that body of believers to go. While it is absolutely true that he can lead each of them, and we believe that we ought to be led personally. It is also absolutely true that as far as direction of a group, the Lord given one, maybe two or three, because he's going to have, have people at his side helping, aiding, like all the leaders in the Bible did. But one, two or three, we'll say, out of the hundred, that he give them an, a, a direction to go and stuff, and they lead. Now, they're not dictating because the other people can choose not to follow. 
But if God wanted to change direction of a hundred people, hold that thought, come across the page a little bit and say, okay, what's a physical illustration? We've got a hundred sheep and we want them to go to a certain pastor today and eat. It's near a nice, wonderful, quiet body of water so they can drink. It's in a protected area so the shepherd can keep an eye on them. Do you really think those hundred sheep are going to all decide at the same time in an orderly manner to walk over and go to that pasture? No. But the shepherd can lead that hundred into that. See, that's not a dictatorship. That's not guys having a big head. I know that's the other extreme of it. I get that. But what we forget is that the most harmony comes when every single believer is walking with God as devoted, as sacrificial, as self-denying, as crucified life, as each other, including the leader. The, the thing that's a danger right now is that people have all this comparison going on and they have these levels of Christianity. And so outwardly, the leader, whatever party is in the body of Christ, not just say a pastor, but anybody who's a teacher, a preacher, an evangelist, a pastor, a missionary, whatever, anybody with influence can live a, honestly, a, a kind of a weak Christian life most of the time and still appear to be far above the other Christians and as in the book of Acts, people, people love. He, God said in another place, he said in the Bible, my people love to have it so. So my challenge to you as a Christian listening for you personally and always for me every day is are you living out that cross life? It can't happen by accident or habit because habits always go by the wayside without reinforcement. So that's why frequently I'll say to myself, why? Why? And why now? Why am I doing this right now? Is this what I ought to be doing? Uh, sometimes you'll say, why now? And you'll find out, you know, I'm doing this because I always have. Like our first uh, part yesterday when we talked about tradition and cutting off the ham and all that. So why now? Why now? Because many times, not all the time, because many times it's a habit. So we said yesterday, stewardship of a gift. I'm doing what I'm doing right this minute because I frequently throughout the year pray about it. A couple years ago, I just shut it down for a while. I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't rebelling. I was like, well, Lord, unless you really want me to do it, I, I don't need to spend the time, the money, and it doesn't affect who I am as a Christian. It doesn't affect how I feel about you, how I think about you or my experience. And then the Lord brought a few events about, and it was time to do it again. Now, some of y'all, yesterday's, I believe it was, about exhaustion and, and Oswald Chambers, some of y'all need to take breaks because you're getting exhausted spiritually, but it, because it's because you're trying to do it in the power of self. You ought to read yesterday, February 11th, Oswald Chambers. So we talk about stewardship of a gift. Today we're going to talk about seeing to and sowing the seed. See in two and sow in the seed. I love the fact that God gives us, and I believe he designed life on earth 
with this in mind. It wasn't like it happened and he goes, oh, there's a great, great illustration like we have to do. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 9. And in these two passages in particular, there's others. He uses this thing of what we would call husbandry or agriculture. <laughs> and he says that he was warning them about verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 3. While one saith, I am of Paul, another, I am Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. By the way, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That is not just about salvation, friend. You know why you need as a newborn babe, not because you are a newborn babe, as a newborn babe, to desire the sincere milk of the word. You know why? That you may grow thereby. And the older you get, the older you get, the more you need it. So you will be an example of a grown-up, gracefully aging believer. I'm around believers that are all ages, every day. Some are in their 90s. And you know what I believe God wants them showing? is how powerful the grace of God is, not how powerful grumpiness is. Okay? And I know that goes against somebody's grain. Well, I've earned the right. You, no one has the right to be grumpy. No one has the right to murmur. Not in God's kingdom. Not even about the world. Because he told us not to. Seeing to and sowing the seed is part of every believer's life. Because we get, it, we get it sown to us and watered, but we also should be doing it for others. Sometimes helping somebody by putting them onto an audio file, by giving them a gospel track, by sitting down with them and talking Bible. It was yesterday, basically make a hospital visit and had to wait for quite a while because they, you know, they limit the number of people to go into a hospital room and stuff. Sitting on a bench outside the hospital and was able to talk Gosh, I'll bet an hour. And most of the conversation that I had, I steered it towards heaven because that's what so many people are facing right now. That's why a lot of people end up there, especially old, older, older than us. I mean, I'd have to be, to get to be 90, I'd have to live 25 more years. And I'd, I would rather be in heaven unless it's some purpose. And so I was so in heaven. A believer, fellow believer, by so in heaven. You know why? Because in a little while, heaven needs to be very real when they put that person to rest. That person's a not a knowing Christian, proving themselves to be a Christian. You know, I mean, there's no doubt. It's not like people are going to fret about it. It's time to go home. Who wouldn't want to go home after all that when your body's wearing out? And heaven's real. In our conversations, we can sow. And much of this goes to the idea of that fishing for souls, which we'll talk about. But in 1 Corinthians 3, here's what he said, verse 6. But let's back up verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man stewardship of a gift. Say, watch. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, if you happen to be a teacher, Sunday school teacher, you know, rescue mission, uh, missionary, evangelist, pastor, whatever. Could you possibly go ahead and get it in your head that God gives the increase and he doesn't do it because of you? 
And could you people as leaders quit thinking that somebody's going to bring harvest with them? Because it's so important to understand that you got to be seeing to and sowing the seed. Now watch the plant, okay? I have planted. Let's talk about planting for a minute. I don't know if you know much about it, but you can't plant without preparation. In Proverbs it says, the slugger will not reap, uh, the slugger will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest. So he won't plow by reason of the cold, and in most parts of the world, many parts of the world, you need the time you need to plow, <coughs> excuse me, to be able to get the seed in the ground in time for it to get the right amount of rain and stuff and to get it harvested before the autumn breaks into winter, you've got to plow while it's cold. So if ever anybody gave us a great example throughout the book of Acts of plowing while it's cold, it was the Apostle Paul. Paul was this example to us of plowing and planting when it's cold. Cold hearts, cold environments, ended up in a cold prison, cold shoulder from the brethren, even the saved ones. So it's important for us to see to and sow the seed. 1 Corinthians 9, I mean, there's a bunch. Okay, let's read on in 1 Corinthians 3 for a minute. So then neither is he that planteth anything, Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. There is no professional harvester. I'm just going to leave you with that. But those of you who are in, active in your local church and you're active in the idea of, you know, bringing in special speakers and stuff, God gives the increase. Never is there a mention of a professional harvester. D.L. Moody said, it takes skill to plant and water the seed, and a child can pluck the fruit. Why don't you jot that down, at least put it in your memory bank. It takes skill to plant and water the seed, and a child can pluck the fruit. It doesn't take some great calling from God to be a harvester. It just doesn't. And that's the point. The old cowboy preacher would say when that baby gets in the birth canal, it's coming. But the great need is to see into and sow in the seed. And that needs to be, and we're going to, that needs to be a, it needs to be a, a true part of why we are doing what we do now. I don't know what will become of conversation yesterday, and I may never hear a word back, direct feedback, but I know this. It was really good to do it. And it was a real blessing, and I'm thankful I was ready with it. I can speak on heaven with emotion because I've got so many people close to me on the other side already. I'm always reminded of Dr. Art, Art Wilson, a medical doctor who was a great winner of souls. And they asked him one day, was there a turning point in your life? And he says, the day I laid my little boy in the ground, just as a little boy died, he said, the day I laid him in the ground, the world and I parted forever. And I say to that, hallelujah, I understand. I get it. And I hope you get it. Verse 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. They're not in competition to get meetings. They're not in competition within the church to get recognition. They're one. Those who plant the seed, those who water the seed, he that planteth, he that watereth are one. 
Every man shall receive his own record according to his own labor. So you need to be about your father's business for you. You need to have stewardship of a gift and seeing to and sowing the seed. Now watch. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building, etc. Now he goes into the building side. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just for a minute. And then we're going over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know, sometimes we're, we're kind of forced into time frames, and I understand that. In a church meeting many times, in a public assembly, we're, we're forced into time frames. Right now, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for these, these extra outlets where I can do the audio thing, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I keep myself to a time frame on the 15-minute broadcast each morning. But on this thing, for example, I've got several. I've got five, actually, on why now. And I'm not going to rush through them. And we'll probably just hit seeing two and sowing the seed today. Well, you couldn't do five 25-minute sessions without, and at one time, <laughs> two and a half hours without people getting just a little bit antsy. And you cannot blame them. Or they just pull up a pillow and go to sleep. Or they'd be like the fellow who was in his office on Monday morning and the janitor came by. He was a pastor and a janitor came by and said, Preacher, uh, I'm not making any comments about the length of the messages he said but and he held up a brown paper bag and he he had been cleaning the auditorium and he held it up and he said i looks like they're starting to bring their lunches preacher <laughs> i saw that and you know there's some fellas that realize that sometimes less is more amen and i try to be aware of that for you uh there's there's many a, a thing that in small bites you can eat a lot of it and get a blessing from it if you can eat it in smaller bites so in 1 Corinthians 9, he gives another example. Verse 9, he said, It is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. You see, you get that? God didn't make a law about the oxen for the oxen's sake. It's good stewardship. And it's, it's good treatment of your, of your beast. But Paul says, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, ready, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope, so should be partaker of his hope. And he says, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? And that's not what we're talking about here. What he's saying to them is, if I wanted to, biblically, I could... I could say, look, I've given you the word, etc. And, and I'll throw it in. You should take care of the people who minister the word of God unto you faithfully. All right, 2 Timothy 2, you really should. It's just normal. Now, I know there's all kind of debates about how much it is and all that and what they do. And I know, I know that pe some people have gotten kind of spoiled by it. I get that. Some fellows have gotten spoiled with being able to, you know, honestly just do something three or four times a week and pretty much they get a full income out of it. Well, he said to labor in the word, but second Timothy chapter two, I don't want to digress this morning because I want to just pull this together. By the way, mark this down. Just mark, write down Acts 2020. Just write it down. Look at it later. Y'all heard of 2020 and all the door to door stuff. That's not what it says. But at some point, you check out how much the Apostle Paul refers to teaching. 
Some of y'all have this thing that there's this great divide between teaching and preaching. Not according to God, not according to the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry, and not according to Paul. You better get a heads up here. Therefore, thou therefore, my son, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not strong in yourself. Not strong in your liberty. Not strong in your independence. Not strong in defending your constitution of wherever you live. That's not what we, as Christians, are called to do. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So we have to hear and heed and make note of the teaching and preaching. Now watch. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Do you see this path? You've got Paul, and we're going to use a name. We'll use Timothy and Titus. You've got Timothy and Titus. And then you've got the next generation. And God's plan has always been for what Paul taught them to be passed on to them to be passed on to them. Now let me ask you this. What are you passing on if you are passing it on? Are you passing on a person's just consideration and conjecture and forgetting how much clear teaching there is in your Bible and how much example Paul gave us of what he taught and what he majored on and what the vast majority of the text of the Pauline epistles, just for example, is about? Give that some thought, please. Let's read on. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, etc., etc., you know what teaching is? It's sowing. It's planting. It's plowing. It's planting. It's sowing. It's seeing to and sowing the seed. You see, you wonder why even, even fairly, you know, good churches in the past are where they're at today. Because people relegated and delegated this principle to institutions like Bible institutes only, or Bible colleges, or universities. And it wasn't being done in a typical local church. Now, you can't take somebody just because they're there and do it. He said, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. They've got to be faithful. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But my f point for today to get in your mind is we I, I do what I do because of stewardship of a gift. I did what I did yesterday and other times, and I'm sure all, many of you do it. I'm always looking for a chance, to, and I'm not hammering them and quoting them verses and getting, no. I'm trying to get the seed. I'm trying to sow the seed, not stomp it. I'm not shooting it into the ground with a shotgun, trying to sow it. So I don't tear up the seed and it don't tear up the soil. Well, you say you got to do some plowing. I, you, you obviously don't know much. Plowing is an art. Preparing the ground for the seed is an art. And there's specific ways you do it. And I pray that along with this and the fishing for souls, you might listen to them and, and glean what you can glean. You probably know most of it. There's no new thing under the sun. And I definitely am not saying anything new that I haven't heard in my lifetime. But I know this, looking around, listen, I don't hear near as much of it nowadays as I used to. It used to be so easy to hear about sowing the seed and watering the seed and teaching others also. Also, it used to be easy to find somebody encouraging others to do that. It used to be easy to find somebody talking about true discipleship. 
But you see, Christians are so busy, and even pastors have gotten so busy, and evangelists need their next meeting. And that's not putting any of them down. I pray for them, tons of them every day. But what's happened is the main thing is not the main thing anymore. Why now? Why am I alive now? Okay, I'm alive now to do stewardship of a gift. And today, I'm alive, we're adding, seeing two and sowing the seed. And I'm going to ch kind of challenge you. How about pray about that today? How about look at your life? It's Saturday. It's the weekend. Okay? Take some time. Well, I'll tell you what. How about you give a tenth of the amount of time as you would, and I know most of you ain't going to do it, but as you would if you were going to watch the Super Bowl tomorrow in the United States of America and all the leading up to it tomorrow. Why don't you take one-tenth of that time? Think about it. So if it's a three-hour event, probably is easily. I don't know anymore. I, don't, I haven't messed with it in years. If it's a three-hour event, 180 minutes, 10% would be 18 minutes. Why don't you spend 18 minutes in prayer this weekend saying, Lord, why now? Why should I be doing what I need to be doing now? And I'm really praying. It'll help you. It helps me. And I do it frequently. It's not just like quarterly. I do it frequently. Why? I want to stay on track. He may come today. He may call me home suddenly. And I'm, but I may be around a while. And he may not deliver this United States of America. He may actually put us through what we need so that Christians will get serious about what's actually important, and that's him and souls and living for him and being a testimony to him, and seeing to and sowing the seed. He may just do that. Wouldn't surprise me. I'd say it might even be the answer to many of our of us who've been praying for years and years and years for, for souls to come to Christ, but also for Christians to get awake and to live a self-crucifying self life. Hallelujah. Well, we'll be praying this weekend. We'll probably won't see you till Monday. God be with you and appreciate you.